Hello and welcome to Find the Path Podcast presents Hell's Rebels, Rumor Mill 7. That's where we're at, y'all. Are we? Really? Cypress was... was hosting? No, that was that's something. my really bad Russian. Hello. <laughs> it is nice to meet you. That is that's um, not, that's uh, we're not definitely going to go with really bad Lex Russian. Bush. It it sounds like a really weird combination of Cypress and Adria. It's like they combined <laughs> yes. into it's, one. It's, it's I'm Russian, but I live in New York. Mm. It's, it's not the worst uh, Russian accent that I've ever heard, which was basically uh, Sean Connery in Hunt for Red October. Uh, <laughs> he slipped Fair. in his cheek. Fair. Um, but yeah, so we're here again, some more to talk about Hell's Rebels. This is episode 19, 20, and 21. So if you did not listen to them, you know, maybe do that first. It's true. I, I would recommend it. Rumor Mill, lucky number seven. Mm-hmm. Fair. Indeed. And it ends on episode 21, Blackjack. So that kind of is nice. Ooh. I know. Yeah. Special. It's like we did that intentionally. Ah. Everything's coming up Ravens. It's like it's <laughs> math or something. Speaking of gambling, um, episode 19, <laughs> Lucia and her Hell Knight cousin head back to the Serini house. Uh, there is a very dramatic um, speech on both sides. Uh, there is Lucia leaving her family um, lawful evil question mark alignments coming in to save her from her potential imprisonment in her family home I'm gonna say Ramos was a real bro in that moment mm. total bro it was move cool. uh, I also have to give props to Rick for <laughs> making like the most dramatic like yes. setup with like them along the staircase like all the family <laughs> gathered to look at you it's like oh gosh <laughs> it's so it's like so dramatic and like cringy but so like good because it so seems like the kind of thing this family would do. You didn't notice the person oh, yeah. in the background doing the like the fake thunder clap. Like, oh yeah, and there was like the, per- the, the one of the butlers had like the smoke machine and was like you know like fanning yeah. out the smoke. And there was somebody with a, a light in the back that cast it to make it look like lightning in the windows, <laughs> firecrackers some, or something. Some, yeah, some literal line. The light organ in the man background. in the corner. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> so yes. it's the funny thing is like every once in a while I'm doing an edit on an episode and something will occur to me that I'm just like, I'm going to add this thing in. And I'll usually think to myself, it's like, man, I wish I'd done this like in the episode. Mm. And I sometimes surprise myself because I do. So for instance, in this one, I'm going through and I'm like, okay, what kind of music do I want to use for the street? You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go into Sirenscape. I'm going to pull up the, uh, Curse of Strahd. I'm going to bring out Bro. some of that pipe organ music and just <laughs> put that in the It's great, man. This works fantastically. I finally get that in about two minutes later. I'm like, you're, you're walking up, you step inside. There's the stairs heading up. There's your family standing arrayed. Very distantly, you almost think, but aren't certain that you hear a pipe organ. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thanks, past me, for having the same thought the present you has. Awesome. All uh, it is is a conversation with yourself. Also, nice. Like, that's a nice, like, kind of like fourth wall breaking moment too, where it's like you're, like, you're kind of commenting on the music, even though there that yeah. was what was playing at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, I do enjoy being able to really set the scene with uh, with characters. That uh, that's one of the things with Hell's Rebels, where some of the villains can be again the first time that you guys met uh, Brazilite Throne. Mm-hmm. And he had his whole big dramatic balcony speech and everything like mustache twirling evil villains yes. are sometimes just fun to have. True. Yeah. True. So he doesn't um, even have a mustache. No. So yeah, so Romas uh, yeah. got you out of imprisonment, but pushed you back to jail. Um, that was also, <laughs> to be yeah, fair, yeah. That, was, that was more than fair because he didn't have to remind them about the law. Like he could have, I mean, he well, probably 
would have at least had to step in for the kidnapping side of things. In, but... in a way, he kind of did, yeah, actually. Yeah. That's his whole yeah. thing. I guess that's true, yeah, but being a Hell Knight, he kind of has to, yeah. That's the, yeah. The evil part of the lawful evil Hell Knight thing isn't necessarily the abuse of law, especially because, like, Hell Knights would prefer if laws had no loopholes. The evil is the amorality of it. And it's also, if the law is inherently evil, then enforcing the law is evil. Right. right, like it gets into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they are firmly again. It's they firmly enforce slavery in Chiliax because it's legal. Yeah. However, if a region of Chiliax had slavery that was illegal, they would firmly enforce it being illegal and yep. freeing slaves. So it's the it's the interesting thing with Hell Knights. It's what I I'm looking forward to exploring them more as villains mm. because they have an obvious weakness, which is in fact their adherence to the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like if you just go in and change the law, then they have to be like. Well, guess that's what we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't have that kind of power. Not well, yet. No. I was going to say, yeah. give us uh, 200 episodes and maybe we'll get around to that. <laughs> but, but it is that thing. Like, if you could find something where, oh, we found and provided 100% proof evidence that the high priest of Asmodeus murdered his success or his, uh, his predecessor. Mm. And you gave it to the Hell Knights, they would immediately act on it and arrest them. Yeah, because it is illegal to murder. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. like, oh, wow. The... <laughs> Well, that's kind of why like, I, I did the thing with Lucia where I mentioned the murders that were happening down in Devil's End. It was like, I know that I can get them to investigate that because that is illegal. What that, you know, whoever that is, is doing. I appreciate And I, I know that this probably isn't intentional for Jordan. I think you said four different names in the episode for Devil's Nursery. <laughs> and you just continued it now with the Devil's End because it was like ah. the Red red, nur- ah. red Nursery. Dang it. <laughs> Devil's Jordan Roof. doesn't know where things are. <laughs> the worst part is I'm looking. I have a We have a map pulled up. And as long as we're not in combat or whatever, we've got a full map pulled up. And I still can't get it right. Names well, you know, are Lucia, hard. Lucia probably doesn't know what it's really called. It's just that devil place. And so she just puts devil at the beginning of it and calls it like whatever. I'm going to reach for that lifeline with like the most dramatic, like reach up, you know, the dramatic music plays as the helicopter pulls me out of the fire. Cause uh, yeah, that's not great. You know that, that devil place where the Tieflings live. That yeah. place. In, in Jordan's yeah. defense, it is right next to Jarvis end. So it's like, there is an end right over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as far as um, yeah, Lucia is concerned, it's like, oh yeah, on that side of the river, one of those places. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> over the, in the, the place where like live. before a, a yes. week ago, Lucia probably never went. Period. Yes, yes. The, the mm-hmm. salt nursery, that place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> salt <right>. nursery. <laughs> we nurse salt We grow here. our salt crystals uh, here. <laughs> so Lucia bails. Uh, no, not bails. Sorry. Lucia goes back to jail and Vittoria pays her bail, gets her out, almost gets herself caught in some lies, some weird yeah. lies of the guard. You that have was- that. Like you just want to answer the question. It's hard. It, it is. It is interesting to see how that like immediately trip. Like that get that gets people. Like it just trips you up when it's like an authority figure or whatever. And you're like, uh, mm, eh. Apparently, Captain like, Rain is very good at ex- getting information out of people. He must just have a nice face, you know. He's Columbo esque. He is really, <laughs> really perceptive, and mm-hmm. it kind of frustrates me. Ross raises a valid point. I should have waited until you walk away. Just one more thing. <laughs> oh, that would have been, would have been, would have been yeah. awful I look that forward to when Victoria gets the just one more thing oh yeah that's going to be great oh she's totally going to do that so then we all kind of made our way to the ravens uh, hideout again the, wi- the wasp nest the wife's nest the wife's, <laughs> uh, the wife's, wife's nest. nest wife's next what I don't know man um, and uh, we talked about the, Victor- the Viticora stuff um, mm-hmm. you know essentially all the things that we found from our investigations um and then Vittoria kind of stealthily like held on to the portrait and then gave it to Rexus afterward. And 
we got to hear cool stuff about Rexus and how he's asking Vittoria to help him finish his, I guess, serum or whatever it is um, to Tinters, complete his yes. transition, yeah. which is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was an it's, interesting it's something character. I was very excited to get more into Rexus's character. And of course, no surprise that Crystal Fraser included this level of representation as potent of a voice as she is for trans representation and rights in tabletop RPGs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough yeah. though, because often you have this thing in the backstory and like, how do you bring that to players without it being just like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm X, Y, or Z. Um, Especially tr- respectfully is always the yeah. challenge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rachel kind of brought it up afterwards. It's like, yeah, it's like you're really getting into that. It's like, no, actually, like just reading his story got me choked up. Yeah, it's uh, he had such he had loving, parents. supportive parents. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, supporting parents are like the best part of stories. That's why there was yeah. always like a little part of me that's like, well, maybe they had a secret tunnel. Maybe they got out. You know? But oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Well, but... Cesare and I yeah. are just gonna have to be his parents, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's an odd couple right there. (laughs) Well, you know, for the kids. (laughs) No, I know, I know. It's just like (laughs) Cesare and Adria, like, teaming up on anything. Cesare has enough responsibility with Raven, who apparently goes out and steals doll clothes in the middle of the night. (laughs) Your cat's a klepto. (laughs) Ah, I do love it. Yes. This has fashion sense. This is what happens when you give cats intelligence equal to a human. This was like... This was like an episode of like reveal, 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 because it ends with this like also Cesare was married and had a son and his husband killed his son. Yep. And he and hates the Serenis because of it. Exactly. <laughs> you were. It's the uncle, re- right? The, the I was going to say, uncle, yeah, you were rela- you were in some way related to Lucia. Yeah. The whole Through time. probably a really weird twisted yeah, web. Once removed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Fabrizio uh, Serini was featured in episode one, in fact. He yes, was at the he dinner was. table whenever. He was the chuckly <laughs> guy. He chuckled a lot. He was the, he was the chuckling evil half elf priest over in the corner <laughs> going, yes, good. My time shall come. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready for this showdown. Like, let's just, let's do it. We have a cleric <laughs> versus a wizard. The rest of us just stand back and like our hype men, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yes. Snap. Yes. I look forward to epic rap battles of Kentargo. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, wow. I would fail at that real hard because that's not my jam. Yeah, I'm sure it'll all come to a very bloody conclusion sooner or later. Mm. This pleases Lucia. She doesn't know this, about this yet, but it's going to please This pleases everyone. <laughs> yes. And then Niccolo got like the the weirdest bouquet of flowers ever. Um, a bundle of roses, a note from the Rose of Kentargo that read to me as very like, all right, we see you, but chill. Is that the vibe? Well, else I don't got? know. I got it as more as keep going, but keep a low profile. Yeah, I like, was going to say, it, it's kind of like we hmm. see you, other people might too, you know? Yeah. What do you think, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, it, it felt more encouraging. Just like you're on the right track. You just got to like, you know, basic. You're on the right track, but you have to adjust slightly. Like just slightly. Yeah. Don't go through those growing pains. I, yeah. I feel mm. like it's hey, we're still around, but we're not ready to team up with you guys. But keep going. Well, I'm not That's sure sneaky. it's a we though, because uh-huh. it was signed the Rose of Kentargo. Yeah. Sure. Mm. I it to, was uh, to remind the audience, since it is only like four sentences, it is a, uh, you are not alone in your fears for the nest that we share, but for now, my flock and I must remain quiet and hidden. The time will soon come when we must meet, but until then, keep building your contacts and resources. Do not rush into opposition against our common enemy. 
The time to retake Kentargo will come, but to strike too soon will be to lose the war before it even begins. Recruit, prepare, remain strong in your patience. We shall speak soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sign Which the Rose of Kentargo. It goes along with um, Rexus's general outline of a plan for building the rebellion, which is, you know, mm-hmm. we actually have yes. to have a base upon which to build. To begin <laughs> yes, with. whoever yeah. this Rose of Cantargo is also read the five point or the five step <laughs> plan to rebellion. <laughs> it's like you were at that meeting um, too. Wow, you were very well hidden. Yeah, the, you know, the Rose of Cantargo was secretly that rat that you guys got the cat <laughs> to eventually like hunt down. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a polymorph oh, druid in disguise, like ah, <laughs> no, not the polymorph oh, druid. No. I have plans. Oh man! So yeah, it's so that's kind of, they're going full you ratatouille. dirty rat. <laughs> that's kind of the end of that. Um, so lots of secrets and, and you know unanswered questions, and then uh, episode twenty picks up. Adria spends some time in the loft nest, fixes the wall. You know, kind of. I think I rolled like a fourteen. Um, <laughs> talk to Catch. the Fushi sisters, who apparently were thinking about leaving. Um, maybe got through to them a little bit. Hard to tell. At the very least, you spoke with one, uh... Jay. 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 Yeah, you spoke yeah. with Jay for a little while, and, yeah, there's an opportunity also to explore some of Adria's motivations for why she's here and staying and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does share a similar motivation with some of the Fushi sisters, which is the sheer importance of family to them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Even though none of her family is still here. It's kind of a weird pipe dream thing. I in think. Adria's case, yes. Yeah, in their case, their family is wherever they are. Yeah, except for Porkoff, poor one other. Yeah. Well, cough is here, I guess, permanently. Doom. Doom. Now I'm sad. Sad dooms all around. (laughs) (laughs) I'll edit that so it sounds like we all said doom at once. Yes! Be awesome. Um, We then essentially had another rebellion phase. Um, We did a pretty good job recruiting folks, which was awesome. We're at our max for our rank, I believe. I was going to say, we like super leveled up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because the guide to the rebellion mechanics even mentions that sometimes you might level up multiple times in like mm-hmm. one rebellion setting because mm. it is you might just make it one huge jump uh, especially later on when you guys get to the point where you earned supporters because of your actions in the adventures mm-hmm. where it's like mm-hmm. oh okay we did something so dramatic that the people in the city can't ignore this and we get you know like 5d20 new supporters or something. Yeah. We pull an Ezio. I'm still here. You know, true. <laughs> yep, not all the Silver Ravens are dead. We also recruited um, a new team for Morgar, Morgar Madcats. Yeah. <laughs> Raven yes. manipulated mm-hmm. that poor, poor man. It's true. <laughs> no, I mean, Raven uh, manipulated his boss. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Which is me. And Nicola said, yes, this is what we're doing now. This name sounds like you, acceptable. Yes. You need a cat rampant on the side of your shields. And for folks like, who are on our what $25 Patreon tier, we're actually going to start filling in some of those uh, new NPCs with uh, characters that you, you submit, you create. Yep. Yeah. Yep. As some of you are probably going to be aware of by the time that this comes out, since this actually comes out after our two-year anniversary of our Patreon, uh, we've recently Woo. updated our Patreon tiers. So if you have not checked out our Patreon yet, feel free to do so. We've got some great new stuff on there. And who knows? Maybe we'll have some... Uh, I kind of, I'm kind i thinking about them in uh, like high school like sports team t-shirt style. <laughs> like <laughs> T-shirts I like with it. a big dramatic cat face on them. Yeah, that'd I be like pretty cool. It a lot. <laughs> cool. It'd be pretty cool. I approve this. So yes. if you want cool t-shirts and other amazing bling, go check that out. We do need to come up with a... We 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 haven't done some Hell's Rebels, you know, themed stuff for the Patreon box recently. Yeah, we, we have not yet. need to get um, some. So yep. this, this might be the time. 
I just, yeah, I sure. almost want like a t shirt of like Raven like stealing something through a window. <laughs> <laughs> that feels complicated, but we could definitely do Silver Ravens in like a team style as like we're yeah. all Team Silver Ravens. Mm. Anyway, cool. some thoughts. If you have ideas, you know, hit us yeah. up. So yeah, feel uh, free to go <laughs> check out our Patreon. And um, yeah, you may be hearing some some new exciting characters being introduced into yeah, the show. Some familiar Indeed. NPCs. Looking forward to um, meeting them. But yeah, so we also learn, um, Rexus continues researching. We learn about Jackdaw, who was the one that founded the original, the original Silver Ravens. Yep. We decided to have some nicknames, so we're, we did that. Yeah, we have code names now. Yay! Um, yeah, Chesare had a little moment there, unbeknownst to the rest of the uh, party. That's true. Chesare tells us nothing. Well... Yeah. Cesare's known so, you guys for like two weeks. I was going to say, yeah, I, <laughs> hey, I understand. We through some stuff together, okay? <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, thinking about it, I'm not sure which member of the party Cesare would necessarily be close to. Like Raven. He's close to Raven. Well, that's not the party. That's you. Raven, well, yeah, that's Raven's not you. the party. Literally, you're familiar. Um, so, so my money is going to be... My initial instinct was to say Vittoria, but that would seem like he's fraternizing with a student, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he has, shown a, he has shown a particular interest, although probably not in that case, uh, in Tifling, Ow. so maybe Niklo? Hey. In a non-romantic sort of way. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, Niklo would probably be flattered anyway, but... <laughs> like, well, thank you, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't complicate this. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need a Hedman Hayes love triangle? Oh my uh, god! No, no. no. <laughs> I think no. I think it's okay. I think it's. I fine. think it sounds rad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, welcome to awesome. uh, the days of our Kentargan lives. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you yes. were dead. I was. Little did you know, the rebellion is just the side story to all the juicy drama. <laughs> I mean, technically, technically. Cesare is still married to Fabrizio. There's oh, a slight whoa. spoiler for you. Oh, husband! <laughs> did you just do a reveal in the after Wait, party? Did he have a wedding ring this whole no, time? No, he just is didn't not. Okay. He is not. All right, all right. But technically, by the letter of the law. Ooh. Which is all that Ramos would care about. <laughs> okay. That's true, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> But we need to look into exactly what being someone's spouse gets you under the law. <laughs> because we can really clean that, that man out in the divorce or proceedings. Or not even that, just, yeah, this is my house. That's my husband. And so we can just go into his house and, like, do recon. <laughs> I don't know. Honey, I'm, I'm home. I'm What's afraid I need to mine? divorce you. Also, you owe me for 50 years of alimony on this cat. It has, <laughs> it has been almost 50 years. So, you oh, know. Oh, my goodness. Clean uh, him out, man. We can start this rebellion in style. So there is your slight spoiler. Very fun. This is I like, that, I like that we went God. from days of our lives to, uh, I guess, divorce court. Yeah, oh, divorce court is also a thing. Or sure. divorce court. Cesare does doesn't consider himself still married, but if you look hey, at the law, <laughs> till death do you part. You just have to finish the divorce, which is really just murdering him. Yeah. That's I mean, that's plan. one way. Hmm. Problem is, depending <laughs> on how things go with Hedeman, you may get you know slapped with infidelity and. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I feel like they're very dramatic here. I don't know. I feel like they probably all have mistresses. It depends on how much money you have. The more money you have, the more mm, you can get away mm, with. I bet. Fair. It mm. depends on the exact wording and the fine print on the contract that they sign. Sign with. It was probably period. an yeah. EAF yeah, wedding prenup. contract. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you what know they do pre like prenups <laughs> up the wazoo. There was a legit place. contract double there. You know. He officiated. 
Always, oh, but yeah, I was gonna say, especially <laughs> for like a priest of Asmodeus. You know? I'm, I'm sure that contract is stashed somewhere in the Sereni vault, so it's not like I have access we'll to it. We'll break in and grab All it. All right, do you yeah, yeah, steal that contract? We, we then level up enough to go to hell, get the other copy, and destroy it. We're good, right? Marriage annulled. Do you, Cesare, take this man to be your partner slash spouse slash your preference here? Bracket <laughs> in bracket. <laughs> Uh, asterisk, asterisk, and you better look at the fine print on what exactly that means. Cesare Nightbloom, you're after referred to as Party A. <laughs> God. I love this. The least right, romantic vows ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, upon you think Chalaxians leaving... are super into romance? Come on. Yes. They love drama and plays and yeah, things. Yeah, they do. I was, actually, you're a from a dramatic here. family. <laughs> that doesn't mean all, like, all Kentargans are dramatic, right? <laughs> Some Dotari showed up uh, just as we were leaving the Not coffee handsome house. Men. Oh yeah, true. maybe handsome true. men. I don't know. They had a Half warrant. Of those were a warrant for looking for unsavory actions. Very, very. It was kind extremely of vague. Yeah. I mean, I don't think warrants have to be exactly super specific in this city. I mean, certainly know. not. They don't. But they had a warrant Gotta to search the premises. Leave enough room for those loopholes. True. Well, and then the next episode, we essentially pick up pretty much there. Uh, and it's like, you know, what do we do? Half of us stayed upstairs. Half of us stayed downstairs. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of like bluffing and watching and pretending to be like innocent, innocent. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, it all worked out, though. I was very scared. I, yeah. I thought we were going to get made for sure. I mean, I don't know. The second secret door is a legit secret door, like behind mm -hmm. a bookshelf. I think maybe there might have been a chance of them finding the Floria's like secret stash, but but I if don't they know had, then she kind of would have been on the radar then. Yeah, yeah, that's I think true. that's the, that's the thing is like I you know whatever you did to distract that Dotari like like I mean she lives in a coffee house and has a trap door that leads downstairs to more storage. Is that really so suspicious? She well, she have has anything. contraband. She there. had yeah, contraband say, in there. Yeah, she yeah. said she had contraband yeah. in there, but the the kind of contraband that only got you a fine, not the kind that yeah. got you yes. killed. Yes. So mm -hmm. Laurie actually addressed that early on when she said that you know because it is kind of true. The fact is is that when you find the first the thing that you're looking for, you're not going to keep searching necessarily. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole idea. It's like, oh, they'll find this and then they'll find the contraband and then they'll leave. I can read you the the one paragraph here that basically says uh, what kind of goes on. Which oh, yeah. Is, uh, at some point, uh, yep, they show up near the uh, Long Roads Coffee House. They have a, uh, a warrant to search the premises, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if the PCs intervene, a successful deception check opposed by the guard's perception DC is enough to get the Tatari to leave the shop before searching it. Hmm. Uh, if the guards find the hidden basement, the rebellion's notoriety score increases by 1d4. Mm. Ooh, that's not too bad. That's from the first secret door? Yeah, well, that's... So notoriety, just because it's a little bit of a misnomer, notoriety is just the guard's heightened awareness. It doesn't necessarily mean it's something that's happened because of you, even. Notoriety is actually their paranoia of this of the city as a whole, right? Yes, yeah. and so it's like ah, okay, the more okay. criminal activity that they find, then the notoriety because like if they find a dead body, notoriety goes up, mm -hmm. just because they're now looking for a murderer, a murderer. Yeah, okay, um, all right. Unless it's in Devil's Star as long as it's in the Devil's Star Star. No, to mm -hmm. us, hide all the bodies. Hitman Obviously. style. It states here that uh, searching the structure, mind you, they can't take 10 in second edition, but searching the structure, they will find, if if they are not stopped, they will find the hidden basement. Uh, mm. Unless the PCs have left the secret door open, 
they will not find the secret door leading into the wasp nest. Oh, okay. If how, if for some reason they do locate the wasp nest itself, uh, possibly due to the PCs running down into the basement and then disappearing and encouraging them to search for secret doors, uh, the rebellion's notoriety score increases by 2d6 plus 10. Oh, uh, and wow. they will also need to find a new hidden base. Oh. Yikes. The so, new secret yeah. base is Nikolai's flat. It's <laughs> oh, not, no. that's not a base. Flat. Nick, it's, it's, it's Nikolai's apartment is the new base. That's that, where no. Rex Nicolo's is now. place no. is not big enough for, <laughs> a fight, like, I, for no. five of us, let alone the full Y'all are great, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also mention that uh, if the Datari disappear, more Datari show up later that oh. day to investigate <laughs> the missing Datari. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And then we got to really lie to get them to think that it, they left and then disappeared somewhere else. Yep. Mm. Uh, and also for each dead Datari that they find, it's uh, uh, an additional 1d6 notoriety. Well, Jeez. I mean, death is not our, uh, you know, first option. <laughs> Glad mm -hmm. I bought that sap, though. Somebody, okay, somebody needs to splash some alchemists so we can learn how to make enough acid to, like, melt a body into We nothing. need to get some oh masks God. that we wear around so that if they see us and we have to beat them unconscious, they won't remember who we are. <laughs> Oh, you, oh, so now we're on Team Masks? So we got code names and masks? I'm just saying, if we don't want to kill them because that is probably worse than just unconsciousing them, and we get in a situation where we need to take a violent um, approach, we would want to cover our faces. It's the fun catch-22. Because masks are super noticeable. Yeah, it's like covering your face 100% makes sense when it's like, okay, we're actively going to be fighting the Datari now. However, it's like, oh, well, if I'm just kind of crouched in an alleyway and then a Tatari comes up and, like, surprises me and is just going to ask me some questions, well, suddenly if I turn around wearing a mask, mm -hmm. bluffing my way out of this has become much more difficult. we got to get really into hoods, and we just have really deep hoods. Uh, <laughs> go Assassin's go Creed style. Assassin's yeah, Creed, full yeah. Assassin's Creed, yeah. Yeah, we're just, we just like the shade. It's not that we're hiding. We're, we're trying just... to make deep hoods happen, right? <laughs> this is our fashion statement. <laughs> this is the depth of our loyalty to... Abigail Thrune. <laughs> that we yep. wish to have our faces in darkness forever. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, that sounds more like a thing that you might like. Devotion to gothiness or something. Very <laughs> well, you know, Zonkathon. Uh, down for that. We're all from Nidal. That's our that's our <laughs> cover. Uh, <laughs> practice your Nidalese. There I was going to say, pay no attention to, to the fact Nidal. that we don't have yeah, Nidalese the accents. Night the, the Night Gate leads straight into Nidal from Great. Yeah, Ravenel, the uh, the county you're in, is adjacent to Nidal, so. Yep, mm -hmm. everyone pull out your uh, your Romanian accent. There's a temple to Zonkathon and a Nidalese embassy in the city. Yeah, so like, yeah. that's reasonable, maybe. It used I mean, to be, uh, I'm pretty sure the temple to Zonkathon used to be the temple to Caden Kaleen. Wow. Oh, oh my. Wow. Well, that's, wow, that's not 100% wow. on that, but I think it is. Jeez. It is now. They have way too much fun here. We need to start torturing people. Yeah. Yes, they're, so all, anyway. they're all in there like, I don't drink blood. <laughs> <laughs> we go back. Uh, the Ravens continue about their week. Um, head back together the next Sunday. Um, learn some more about the Silver Ravens because Vittoria and Ruxus did some studying. Um, yeah, Vittoria can help uh, translate now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I so, learned some languages. Yeah, we you learned about feet. the previous group, which was uh, Jackdaw, um, a half-elk cleric of Milani, a halfling enchanter, a human rogue, uh, and a... Human ranger, ranger. Mm -hmm. Yes, they had their own adventuring party before now. Yeah, <laughs> essentially they were us, but back in the day. Yeah. And um, they were they did a lot of helpful things for the city, and then they just kind of disappeared. 
Although some people think Jackdaw is still around. Yeah, because uh, she was Might an elf. be a title, though. We don't know. We don't know. Who knows? Sure. Was a legendary folk hero beforehand. So. Yeah, Morgana does that thing from, like, the end of every episode of, like, a dramatic show where they just shows up and is like, oh, you're all here. Great. I have a mission or whatever. And then, like, fade to black. Yep. He uh, he yep. Nick Furyed everyone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. How have we not cast Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> We're waiting on the right. Yeah. Yeah, there, there really needs the be, right guy. Has to be the right Maybe the guard captain that. is Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, He's scary enough. <laughs> He's so good at getting people to give him what he wants. <laughs> that natural uh, charisma, you know? Yeah. Hmm. I'm tired of these mother effing rebels in this mother effing city. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like this. <laughs> Shall we continue to emails? Yes, yes, absolutely. Indeed. All right. So first email is from Ian in Brigand, Wales. Um, we hey, recently Ian. talked to them. It's it's weird. They had another email that we read and, and discussed on a postmortem not that long ago. So uh, Patreon Patreon exclusive. So yes, if you want to know what Ian said previously, subscribe to our Patreon. Wait, everybody's here <laughs> for Ian, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we probably placed Ian in Somewhere. that. Yes. Well, it is. So. The UK, it's Wales. I mean, probably Taldor somewhere. I think we probably. did Taldor somewhere. Yeah, probably. Let's... I want to say Casimir. Casimir is a that fun seems town. Vaguely familiar, but I'm not. I don't sure. know, man. I don't know. I don't know if he's so. Regard- that, regardless, sure. if we didn't put you in Casimir previously, you now have a summer home in Casimir, in addition to wherever we put you previously. Yes, yeah. 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 <laughs> this is what you get for writing in. You get shows. summer homes. You know, <laughs> you <get> summer homes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Uh, anyway. Uh, Ian says, hey, guys and gals, I found your Hell's Rebel show a few days ago. I've been binge listening to it since. Awesome. Nice. Yay. Nice. Very cool. Very nice. Uh, I am up to episode 13 and I am oh, loving wow. it. Wow. Wow. In a few days. Good. Dang. Congratulations. That's a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. huh? <laughs> I just wanted to say that you are doing an amazing job with this show. I've jumped on your Patreon as a thank you and look forward to listening to your Time is Grasp and Mummy's Mask shows. Keep up the amazing work. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank Appreciate you. That. Thank you for getting us one step closer to Hell's Rebels Weekly. And yeah, Time's Grass Weekly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Soon. Soon. Soon indeed. And that's it. I like a short and sweet email. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> no question. Thank you, Ian. No question. Just, just praise. Uh, second email is from Spencer in Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Spencer. Uh, hey, Spencer. How you doing? There's oh, nothing wrong Ohio. with Ohio. Wait, you can't like, answer I was that. Buckeyes? Say, yeah. Isn't Buckeyes a Ohio thing? Yes. I think so. Mm. Actually, you know what else is Ohio? The mm. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, that's true. <laughs> really? Yep. That, that is, Cleveland? yeah. Cleveland, Also, yeah. weirdly, I've been I don't know anything Ohio. about Ohio, unfortunately. Yeah. It's one of the few states I haven't been to. Okay, but where in Galarian is Ohio? Um, Karamaga, that place rocks. <laughs> oh, nice. Why not Karamaga? Karamaga is a The fun, entire state place. of Ohio, you now live in Karamaga. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right for Karamaga because that city's got layers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fair. It's true. It's also a city basically surrounded by a giant flat plain, which is kind of mm. Ohio also. That is yeah. kind of Ohio. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's true. Karamaga and surrounding territory. Below, like sure. unknown, horrible darkness below Ohio. So I feel like it lines up. Is there? Yes. That's, yeah, that's how you get Kentucky. to the dark lands in the real world. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. (laughs) Anywho, Spencer says, hello. Hello. Hello, Spencer. Uh, I don't know if I, oh, uh uh-oh, he had a whole thing here. Let's see how we did. I don't know if I can influence the Galarian location placement, but I'm pretty obsessed with Isger. Uh, That's where you live. I haven't messed. You get to pick. (laughs) That's true. JK, everything we just said, um, 
So that's where you're from now. in Caramago? Yes, like a like a condo, like a small. All, uh, all, condo. Of, all of Ohio has summer homes in Caramago. <laughs> no, all of Ohio has summer homes in Isger. It's probably better. That's true. You would want to get out and see the sun every now and then when you yeah, live in yeah, Caramago. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, I haven't messed with 2E content, but in 1E, Isger felt like a wonderful blank canvas for all sorts of campaign opportunities. I was lucky to run a homebrew campaign set in Isger for a bit. So, awesome. Nice. Cool. So uh, let's just say Etrin's Folly, because it's the first place in Isger that comes to yes, mind. Yes, hope you like turnips. Hope you like turnips. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they play, make play a turnip ale. It's very odd. Yeah, for messing with 2E content, mm -hmm. uh, Fall of Pl Plague Stone is a first-level adventure written by Jason Boltman. It was the first adventure to come out for second edition, and it takes it place in Isker, so yeah. It may very well kill you. Yeah, Mainly from the turnip diet. Yes. Well, <laughs> anyway, I, I caught up on Hell's Rebels episodes. I started listening to it because I'm intending to run it using first edition once my group gets back in person, and we finish oh, cool. up one of our other two campaigns, uh, Rise of the Rune Lords and nice. Descent into Avernus, which is a 5e campaign. Awesome. Nice. Cool. I see. Uh, uh, Descent in the Avernus, at the very least, has a nice tie into Hell's Rebels, also. Yeah, so. got some Hell's action. As far as, you know, Hell. <laughs> uh, first, the feedback. I love the podcast style that you all use. I couldn't get into some of the ones I tried because they were bogged down by ums and uhs, page flipping, and side conversations. In many ways, they sound like my normal RPG experience recorded, but they didn't make for a good podcast listening. That's so funny. Uh, thanks, yep. Rick. <laughs> I was going to say that's a huge thanks to Rick because all that stuff still happens. It just hits the cutting room floor. <laughs> Most of it, yeah. yeah. Good work presenting such a polished experience. I bet the rumor mill recordings are super helpful at giving a place for the banter. Have you yes. implemented the rumor mill concept into unrecorded games? No, that sort was usually of? just that when was... we went out to dinner afterwards. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. That was saying dinner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we usually always went and had lunch or dinner afterward, and it was like nothing but game talk for you know however long we were sitting there. It was weird yeah. when we got emails from listeners, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were like, how? <laughs> I, know, I mean, home. mostly it was the FBI, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the NSA was listening, you know. Yeah. They wanted to know how it was going. Uh, I will say that, what like, are you doing it there. <laughs> we don't. Even before we recorded, we didn't have that many side conversations at the table. We pretty much always yeah. were fairly into telling the story and finding out what was going on in the story. Yeah, yeah. the side oh. conversations were filler for like when Rick was prepping something, like he's drawing, drawing yeah. the battle map out yeah. and stuff. That's the time that we would take to go, okay, hey, let's catch up on work, you know, work stories or whatever, you know, while really it was just kind of dead air, you know. And dinner afterward. Now An answer to, to I think, what was a, a number of people's early questions for us, but still kind of holds true of the, what is the biggest thing to change between that recording? It's more or less that I don't have, like, cheese plates out anymore. Yeah. 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 Snacks. Oh. Lack of eating and drinking snacks. while playing. I miss snacks. I miss snacks. Well, ums and uhs <laughs> and page flipping is annoying. Uh, nothing is more annoying than someone eating cheese. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No. It was nice to have a nice charcuterie board. We were eating Yeah, snacks. that's what we did. Like, it was like, we, we had when were up we our ever going to use our wedding gifts i mean come on <laughs> D, D night i mean we so. had like candy and chips too but there was mm. usually it usually started with crackers and cheese and some sort of meat mm -hmm. yeah, yeah rick got all fancy with his like cheese board and stuff it sure. was nice all right speaking of rick haha -ha. this wasn't my high school <laughs> D, &D game <laughs> rick i am so impressed with how smoothly you are able to deliver the content from the ap in a way that feels like it came from your imagination and not the paizo team Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. What do you do to prep running an AP? What helps you stay so engaged with the characters and what they are doing while running pre-written content? Kind of hitting on a couple of the highlights of previous advice that I've given is 
When prepping to run an AP, read through the book, but don't feel like you have to memorize the book because you really only need to know whatever you need to do for the session that you've got going on now. I am a devotee of the idea of foreshadowing. So mm -hmm. sometimes to my own detriment, but <laughs> I like to establish an NPC, preferably a book or two before they even show up, which I've already done with a couple of characters here. Whoa. Yep. Take your bets now on who they are. Take your bets. Yeah. Your, your mother. <laughs> I say to Ross. <laughs> Sorry, not a your mama joke. It's really literally. Mama, literally <laughs> my mom, like in real life. She's just going to show up one day. Like, Ross, have you cleaned your room lately? <laughs> like, mom. I'm recording so, a podcast, mom. <laughs> and a fun thing to do with NPCs is pick out a couple of Easter eggs with an NPC. Usually NPCs are provided some interesting background, backstory, and all the rest of that. And so find fun things that you look forward to getting across to the players. Hmm. Again, Rexus's backstory in this most recent one. And you guys even haven't even touched on all of Rexus's both backstory as well as like elements of his character character. Heck, I'll I'll tease one out right now that eventually uh -oh. the players will get to learn. So it's not like Victoria's not trying. Hold on. <laughs> Victoria wants to know everything about everyone. Pretty much, yes. Here we go. Here's a here's a sentence from Rexus's backstory that I find one of the reasons I love the Paizo writers so much because they put such interesting tiny little things into NPCs. <laughs> the race on a refined diet, Rexus adores the many foreign foods found throughout Cantargo and uses any excuse to visit Jarvis Inn, scarfing down the most unusual foreign delicacies and lowbrow street meats with equal courage. <laughs> He's a foodie. He's a foodie. <laughs> He's a foodie. And like the yes. fact that I haven't gotten across to the group yet that Rexus is a foodie, but I okay. love that. That so explains... It explains why he's not into the sandwiches. No. Nicholas yes. to bring him a calzone one of these days. <laughs> yeah, if you bring him a calzone, he's yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But it's like, I relate to Rexus because, like, I, uh, I grew up a small town here in Texas, and I didn't have Indian food until oh. I moved to Dallas. And so I was like, what is this? What is this amazing thing I've been missing my entire life? What is this curry that you speak of? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say, though. So, the best Indian food we had was not in America. It was in um, that tiny town in Scotland, St. Andrews. St. Andrews, Andrews, Scotland. Yeah. There was this tiny little Indian restaurant that we had for lunch. So good. Yep, it's just <laughs> around the way from the Abbey there. I was, I was yeah. going to say, like, UK Indian food is super good. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, finding small things about the characters that you just get excited to get across yeah. the players. And then you sit on them like a dragon on your horde, just waiting <laughs> for the opportunity. You're like, ah, oh, it's going to be so great when I can finally, you know, pull these these little bits of character out. And, Rick doesn't hoard gold. He hoards story information. I hoard secrets. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm why his hair is secrets. so big. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple general secrets. questions. What are your thoughts on 2E low level power? Wait, let me reread that. What are your thoughts on the 2E low-level power level? I was surprised by the do by the two alligators in the wasp nest. It's, it's weird. I feel like monsters are way more powerful than they were in first edition at low level, but I also am like, my cantrips are actually worth something as a wizard. So <laughs> I'm not going to be like, okay, I cast my two magic missiles for the day. Guess I'm going to stand in the 
back and clap as the rest of the party does things. <laughs> I'll pull out that crossbow I'm only going to use for the next, like, two levels, and then I'm going to yeah. the trash, you know? The bard's like, at least I got two turntables and a microphone, so yeah. that's where it's at. <laughs> the rest of you clap your hands. <laughs> I It's weird. Like, I feel like the characters are more versatile at lower levels, but I feel like the monsters are way harder. I'm like, I think the monsters feels like are always just harder. way harder. Yeah, I feel like everything hits harder. Including like, us. Yeah, like you do more damage, but also things are doing more damage to you. So it it runs into that kind of feeling of like, um, oh my gosh, we have to kill this now, 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 now. Because if, we get, if it goes into round two, we're probably losing somebody, you know? Well, like, I'm also going to throw out that some of it can also be a confirmation bias. Where you, you probably feel like you seem to be lower power in second edition. But second edition also gets around a number of the traps in first edition. So, for instance, a single orc in first edition, low encounter level. If that single orc gets into melee with their default falchion against a wizard <laughs> and happens to score a half-decent roll, it is from full health because, oh, I'm a wizard, I start with seven hit points if I'm lucky, to, okay, now I'm all the way at negative ten and dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you do start with more hit points, which I like. You start yeah. with, yeah, low level's not bad. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a, it's weird. I don't feel like it's bad, but I also feel like the characters are more powerful, but the monsters like got cranked up too. So it's, it's that's only natural. Yeah. It's interesting because some of the base things that in first edition were so deadly, like having a uh, crit rate of times three or times four on a weapon. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's an encounter early on in one of the adventure paths that is a warrior with a great axe that mm-hmm. I believe I just straight up murdered a character once with one shot. Yeah. They were fourth oh, level yeah. too. Yeah, but even at fourth level with a times four critical, that's, you know. Yeah, yeah usually damage. if you see an enemy with a scythe, you're like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah, that'll mm-hmm. that'll chill your blood. See, Tyrant's Grasp. I know exactly <laughs> I know exactly what encounter Ross is talking about because mm-hmm. I ran that for the rest of this career and it's a very similar thing. Minor yeah. spoiler here. <laughs> there are a lot of great axes in Legacy of Fire. Yep. Oh, <laughs> I remember yeah. that. We were we were fortunate in that fight. <laughs> That's that's not really a thing as much. I mean, there are like the deadly traits and stuff like that. But while there are more crits, I find in general, they're less like one single crit is not enough to instantly kill your character unless you're already kind of low. Yeah, you just make me a little sad are dying and you go down, down, down. Yeah. 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 Yep. Now, so. it is a thing where if you do get critically hit, you go down to dying too. And I've seen that spring mm. back and forth a few times, and that can go oh, yeah. real fast. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the death a, yo-yo is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> death yo-yo. I like it. Death yo-yo. The yo-yo death. <laughs> I mean, she's basically down. I'm up. I'm down. I'm up. I'm down. I'm up. I mean, oh, it's an appropriate way to say it. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. death yo-yo. I want to go around the world on the death yo-yo. Oh. <laughs> oh my. No, you don't. No, you do oh not. I want uh, to get like a battle yo-yo and just scream death yo-yo every time I smack <laughs> an enemy in the face with what it now. What weapon could a death yo-yo be? Like if we just use a weapon, you know? It's like a foil. Uh, like a rope kind. dart, really, but I don't know if rope darts are a thing in second edition. It's, it's like there's some fighting game where one of the girls used a yo-yo as a weapon. I don't remember which one gear? it is. Yo-yos were an aboriginal weapon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rad. Anyway, I'm going to move us on because yo-yos are so <laughs> off topic. <laughs> uh, I love that Rick migrated the bar fight rules into 2E. I'm also oh, yeah. planning to use those when running 1E. Are there any rules you would migrate from 2E to 1E? Hmm. I never used it, but I heard a lot of positive feedback. In Pathfinder Unchained, they introduced the three-action economy there. 
And so you can implement the three action economy in Pathfinder 1E. I don't know how, from what I understand, it played fun, but it was not balanced. The game was not designed to use yeah. that system. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I would just so take that would be... straight up hero points the way they are in second edition and then just drop them into first edition. Oh yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd mm -hmm. be, and that would be relatively easy because that was already an add-on system to 1E. Yeah, but it, it, it's different. 1E's version is different, but this one they like, are, yeah. you can re-roll or you can stabilize. Like that seems pretty chill. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, maybe we'll post those bar fight conversion rules at some point. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta get That'd through this, uh, this chapter. I had a great time at that. Yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. Fair, fair. All right. So email shout three. out to Luis for uh, making those yeah. great first edition rules. Very totally. true. All right. Friend email three from Robert. Robert does not tell me where he is from. Therefore, Hello, Robert. he can be from Hello, wherever Robert. we like. Oh, mm -hmm. the moon. There's fun things on the moon. Robert could be a moon beast. We don't know. <laughs> well, now that you put that out there, Robert the moon beast, welcome to the show. Robert <laughs> <laughs> the moon beast are so weird. Oh, they are weird. pretty weird. They're kind of awesome. Yeah. I, I won't talk much about the adventure, but I do recall, like, I don't think I ever actually got to run it, but there's the, I think it's Moon Scar. Mm. But it's like something about fighting succubuses on the moon. Oh, oh I yeah. Yes, I, <laughs> I think I played that maybe. Yeah, we did a PaisaCon thing with that. And there yeah. were Moonbeasts there too. So yeah. moon, there's and stuff I just, on the moon. I just yes. know that I I uh, enchanted the entire party and was it like, was not well, fun. all right, mm -hmm. here we <laughs> go. It was not good. Yeah, so maybe maybe Robert's uh, Aslanti coming out of stasis on the backside of the moon. <laughs> uh, That's also interesting. Yes, yeah, so the moon. Uh, hello, Ross, Rachel, Jordan, Jessica, Heather, and of course, Rick. Hello. 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 Uh, my name is Robert, and I'm a new subscriber to your cast on Google. I discovered awesome. it while searching for people playing Hell's Rebels on YouTube, and your party dynamic and creativity drew me right in. Oh, hey, awesome. I posted these things on YouTube, and it was for a good cause. <laughs> it's come full circle. I'm really behind. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, my favorite character has to be Raven. Uh, <laughs> of course Raven's your favorite character. I, I have a black cat named Pepper, who is just Aww. like her. Oh, Pepper. Those black name. cats are wonderful. Yeah. Yes. So cute. You Pepper. may not be aware of this, but common slang for black cat, house panther. Yep. Excellent. I've always thought it's a very dramatic name for very a black cool. cat. Very cool. Excellent. My favorite PC, being a former investigator myself, has to be Vittoria. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. I don't know if that was a he played of an investigator or he himself was an investigator. So suddenly it seems like he's some sort of uh, space, you know, like 1950s oh, space investigator. Oh, nice. oh, I love this image oh. in my head. He wakes up and he's from the past, but now he's on the moon in the future. And he's all noir cool. shaded because it's the moon. Giving yeah. you a very strange backstory, Robert. Welcome to the, po to the pod. This is great. Oh, jeez. Elijah Bailey. Oh. Yeah, there's this wonderful Ooh. shirt for murder Isaac apparel Eisenhower. that just says basically a detective, yeah. and I feel like I need this shirt. This sounds really excellent. <laughs> uh, Robert, really you're my favorite. want to do a panel where PC. we do backstory Mad Libs. So it sounds, sounds like we're jumping over to Starfinder here. So we got our steward Robert coming in. Mm -hmm. yeah. Space investigator. Hey, Space that, investigator might be a, beast. that might be a good bit uh, that we can do at the end of this is Mad Libs. People give us random things for our Mad Libs, and we make a story about it or not a story fun. but like a, a backstory story about it that would be an interesting thing <laughs> it's kind of fun all right uh i've always wanted to play hell's rebels but could never find anyone who wanted to play it when i what? listen to you guys i always pretend my character is part of it oh. that's the best oh, part about a game cool. about a liberty movement your membership is large and has to include all kinds of folks that is oh true. dang this guy 
if you join our Patreon at the $25 tier, <laughs> yeah, there you go. we can put your character in here. He gave us his character, y'all. I'm going to read it in a second. Sure. <laughs> oh, okay. man. It's rad. It, it, we... How close were we on our on our guesstimate? <laughs> no, no, this is his, the character that would be in Hell's Rebels, not oh, him yeah. as a human oh, okay. being. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yes. Okay. He's a 19-year-old farm boy gunslinger named Pierre Gerard Pepperell, PJP, Coltrane. <laughs> PJP! <laughs> PJP Coltrane. Coltrane from rural Alkenstar. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. He said he said Coltrane. It makes me think of Coltrane from uh, Gears of War now. <laughs> yep. All right, I'm not done, though. This guy's got a whole thing situ a situation. He works as a carpenter in Red Roof, making furniture with okay. his boss, but has big dreams of being an inventor and owning the first industrial firearms factory outside of Alkenstar. Ooh. He's also a secret Milani worshiper who finds he's being called to duty. And even though he's eager, he's still homesick, homesick, scared, and very far from home. <laughs> that's a good awesome. character. Ah, that's a really good character, you actually. Know, Patreon, you could be part of Morgar's yeah. Madcats. Yeah, 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 he would definitely get, get along with Morgar. Get on that Patreon if you want to be in Morgar's <laughs> Madcats. Yep, you come home, when you come down, he's just like, howdy, folks. I'm making some uh, <laughs> classic uh, Alkenstar uh, chili. No beans. Yep. There's <laughs> my, my five alarm. My five alarm chili. <laughs> my five alarm chili. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Better make sure we've cleaned out the uh, the chamber pots in the next room. Oh my <laughs> god! Well, there's a. How is it lake. that you're from the south and your southern accent sounds so fake? That's uh, because my mouth is kind of hurting. <laughs> also, I gotta if I have the toothpick, I'm like. You gotta have the toothpick. How oh, we're doing today? I'm doing all right. Sounding a little right. armorish, I gotta say. Well, that's because it's a pen and not a toothpick. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right, so that is a very rat. That is the kind of thing that we will be asking for people who want to join the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for giving us an example. That, like, that was a really great thing. That's a great have. example. Yeah, it was yeah, a, perfect was a great example. example. Awesome. Very Just rad. Just a 100% plug mode. I apparently, well, you know what? When you're presented an opportunity, that's true. Plug, this plug, was golden plug, plug, plug material for sure. Um, also, yeah, this is a very cool character. And you know what? In your head, whatever you think, as who is it? Neil Gaiman says, like, once you release a story into the wild, like, it belongs to the listeners, it belongs to the reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's true. Yep. All right. I'm looking forward to episode 18. I just, oh, <laughs> uh, I just um, finished. <laughs> um, enjoy. <laughs> I just um, finished Water and Ash, and I just can't wait to see what's next. Okay, Water and Ash is the one where things went pear-shaped, right? No. No. Not quite. That was the one where you guys were investigating the Viticoria state and Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Mm -hmm. we, our, our original reaction was correct. Uh, if you guys <laughs> have an occasion to read this, I sure hope you'll write back or maybe read it on a Ruben Bill episode. You're welcome. Wish granted, Robert. Yep. yep Until <laughs> next game, I wish you all well and happy gaming. Your newest fan, Robert the Moon Beast. Oh, <laughs> or space detective. I don't know. Space. space he could be a detective. moon beast space detective in Star Or he's Finder. a space detective who rides a moon beast. Oh yes. I don't I don't know who wrote it, just throwing this out here as a random side note. I can't remember who wrote it, but there was uh, some story placed on Paizo's website that was for Starfinder that I wanted to say it was like a film noir style thing mm. with like an android detective and like oh. this Lashenta Femme Fatale or something that he was investigating things on Akinstar. How did I miss this? It's that pretty great. exactly like something I'd like to read. <laughs> Very yes. nice. All right. If you know Email where that is, for. link that to us. Yeah. <laughs> Email four from Doombeard in Hollister, California. Hey, Doombeard or Doom? So, Doombeard is, is obviously beard, a dwarf. Uh, is his beard enchanted with a permanent doom spell? Like, was he cursed? 
Oh, yes. Like, what's the story with the Doombeard? I like it. He goes by Doombeard, but he, he's a dwarf. But the reason he's Doombeard is that he doesn't actually have a beard because he was cursed. Or, oh. or, or he's like a bearded devil and can attack with his beard. I like that, too. Mm. Oh, I kind of <laughs> like that. I'm going to throw this out here. The shackles. Captain yes. Doombeard yes. sounds like an amazing oh, pirate yes. captain. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that sounds Captain great. Doombeard. Doombeard from the shackles. He has a continual mm. flame cast on his beard. Oh, so it's kind of like Blackbeard, yes. but it's just Doombeard. That's rad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he looks like Very Endeavor cool. from My Hero. There you go. Yes. I love it. All right. Hello, friends. I started hello, listening Doombeard. to your Hell's Rebels podcast while looking for more Pathfinder 2E content to listen to. Love the show and the cast. Y'all are oh, fantastic and are great to listen to. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. So much so that I became a Patreon subscriber and I'm starting our Tyrant's Grass podcast as soon as Ooh, I'm done writing this email. Wow. Oh, Yay. That's very cool. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Welcome. Prepare to cry. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool, though. Uh, I particularly enjoyed listening to episode 18, speaking of episode 18, <laughs> uh, and the subsequent rumor mill. As I listened to episode 18, I was glued to my seat as Lucia's predicament spiraled out of control. Uh, <laughs> I uh, felt for Jordan as I've been in similar situations in role playing. <laughs> I find yeah. the dichotomy between me, the player, being good or bad at lying slash fast talking and my character using those same skills. Yep. An interesting one. I tend to be a by-the-book kind of guy, so I'm not always the best at role-playing a shady and deceptive kind of character, but Ooh. I do enjoy playing the character from time to time in my games. Yeah. My question is, should a character suffer because a player is poor at something the character is supposed to be good at? How does a GM balance that? After listening to the rumor mill, I totally understood Rick's explanation of the guards following a logical sequence that made Lucia's situation more suspicious and led to the result being what it was. However, if Lucia is an expert in deception and she didn't fail any of her roles, I'm curious where the character being good at deception begins and the player's skill at the same ends. So this is actually a challenge that we ran into surprisingly in our other 1E podcast, which is Mummy's Mask. And it gets back to the classic issue of Mummy's Mask takes place in Osirian and there are a number of sphinxes. Mm. And sometimes you can argue that a character would be great at a riddle, whereas the player is not. Yeah, riddles are So you get bad. into the argument of what the player can do versus what the character should be capable of doing. I, I feel like it kind of runs into the same situation here where Lucia did basically, like right until the end, succeed on all of her deception checks to fool the Tatari because her modifier was so high and they believed everything that she said. Taking that as kind of an example and playing that off against these last couple of episodes, in a similar vein, if instead of... Victoria just saying, oh, I'm new here and I work here and, oh, I'm going to distract you by asking if you want some, you know, leftover crumpets or whatever we have. <laughs> if he had said, crumpet now. like, oh, I'm, I understand that there's suspicious people or something. And if Rachel had played off of that, which I think is a lot of people's natural instinct to be like, oh, oh, yeah, I, you know, I think I might have saw some suspicious people outside. Then suddenly it would be, OK, if you succeed on your deception check, then the guard goes, oh, well, can you describe them for me? Can you take me outside and show me where you saw them? How many were there? Where did they go? It's because they believe you. So yes. it's one of those, oh, you really saw someone suspicious. Give me all the information because I'm a city guard and I need that. Yeah, just right. just because you can make people believe what you're saying doesn't mean you can't lie yourself into a box, right? That's <laughs> yeah. kind of what Lucia did, lie right? Lu into a box. No, like, it's true. <laughs> like Lucia lied herself into a situation that she literally couldn't lie out of. Uh -huh. So yeah. it became like one of those things where like everything she said they believe no matter 
how kind of weird it what and you know weirdly you know put it was but at a certain point it strains credulity that mm -hmm. her close friend that she's going to visit has never seen her in her life you know right like that was like a moment where it's like okay there is literally no way that no matter how good a deception you are you're going to play that off yeah it's it's difficult to make a lie that is categorically and provably false in the situation you're in yeah. such as walking up like oh i walk up to a guy and say i'm a halfling they're like, um, are no, you you're not? <laughs> you're awful <laughs> tall for a halfling elf. It's kind of the same reason why, um, you know, a lot of people have a disconnect. And I'm not saying that this has happened on the pod or anything, but like a lot of people have mm -hmm. a disconnect with diplomacy and how that works. It's like, well, my character is really good at diplomacy. So I just, you know, I roll diplomacy roll and, you know, your character, you know, the NPC likes me now. Right. And it's like that can work in a lot of situations but sometimes like it would be difficult for example for you know like nicolo to go up to say any the one of the nobles of yeah the head priest of asmodeus and be like hey you like me i'm a i'm a diplomatic kind of guy you know i'm like a man of the people yeah, yeah. it's like even if he is like a master of diplomacy like he's still going to run across the dc just being abnormally high because of who and what he is. It's the other 50% of role-playing game. Half of it is game, the other half of it is role-playing. Uh, oh, sorry. Doombeard does keep going, so let me read the rest of Doombeard's email, because uh, it's on the same topic. Oh, okay. Uh, I, don't, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. I don't mean this as a criticism of Rick or Jordan. It's a strange area where characters who are not necessarily skilled at deception can benefit from players who are, and vice versa. I know when a player <laughs> comes up with a cunning deception, I want to reward them, even if their character isn't a, quote, smooth operator. I wonder how many players shy away from this style of character because of this. It's an interesting yeah. area of conversation, and I'd love to sit at a table with you all and have it. In lieu of that, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts if you care to share them. I know early on before we got or before we became more comfortable with the role playing side, mm -hmm. a lot of times we would just describe like my character wants to do this. Like yes. this is the intent that I have for this scene, because sometimes it's really hard to get that across you know on that sudden role play of uh, you've just asked me a question i'm thinking on the fly and like you know what you want to happen but it's hard to like how do i in my character make this happen and so early on that's kind of what we did where we just described what we wanted to happen and we kind of talked through the scene and then sometimes we'd go back and then role play it after that mm -hmm. like, i really want to convince this guard to like go away like i want to like do say something that'll distract him but won't you know make him ask more questions or whatever yeah, and Rick, yeah. to his credit, would tell us basically what it's going to take to accomplish that, and then we could decide, okay, we want to we want to do this, we think it's worth the risk of failure, or we don't want to do that because that's way more complicated than we thought it was going to be. Back when we were wee baby players. Yeah, wee back, when, back when we didn't realize that uh, jumping... Uh, I remember one of my first play sessions, I jumped off of a 15-foot uh, ledge and tried to just do a superhero pose. Didn't oh, yeah. realize I could have broken my legs doing that. You know, like, yeah. I remember, like, yeah. Rick being nice enough to not have my character break their legs from doing that, you know? Well, it's just like, okay, you take 1d6 points of damage and you fall prone at the end of it because that's the game. Yeah. yeah. So if the player themselves comes up with a really cunning plan and their stats mm. don't really reflect it you as the game master have the prerogative to be like okay you get like a plus five bonus because you said something really clever oh yeah i mean yeah, the game I, does have that kind of leeway too absolutely as static as your stats are everybody has a bad day everybody has a good day so you can chalk it up to lucia is usually a very good liar but she was having just a really bad day because <laughs> of stress or this or that it's the same reason why like 
occasionally you got that person that's like, I've got a plus one perception, but I rolled a nat 20. And it's like, I had a good day right there where I noticed this thing that I normally wouldn't. Yeah. It's on the on the subject of exactly what you guys were speaking of just a couple seconds ago. I don't tend to... I try not to nudge my players too much. And that's not because I don't believe in doing so. Uh, in fact, early on when we first started playing, I would often offer, offer suggestions. And I still do occasionally offer suggestions. Mm. That may have been one of those moments where I could have. I could have just been like, hey, Jordan, you're kind of digging yourself a hole. While you're inside of the building, do you just want to wait and see like, okay, point the guards to another room and then slip out a window or something while they're not looking? Like I could have said that at some point. Yeah. But I tend to have tried to take more of a step back and just allow everyone to free flow sandbox, you know, what they will. He he treats us like big boy and girl players now. (laughs) (laughs) We graduated early, especially early on. It is difficult for some people to wrap their if you've been playing Skyrim, you're like for the last 10 years because God, it's. The new anniversary edition's coming out soon. I really yeah. want the anniversary edition. It's but Skyrim, if you've been playing guys. that this as free form as Skyrim is, it pales in comparison to even a single tabletop game yep. in the sheer amount of freedom that you have. And sometimes that can just be overwhelming. Yeah. So offering people that option of, hey, what do you want to say to this person? Oh, I, I want to lie to the guard and literally follow what the, the book says. And it says, make a deception check against their perception DC and convince them to leave and just go, I just want to make them leave. And then the GM can just be like, okay, roll your die. All right, so you walk up to him, you tell him, hey, how's it going? Uh, Actually, sorry, I'm a city inspector and I'm already here checking this place out. And they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. If you make your deception check, they're like, all right, well, don't go back there. He's spraying for rats. (laughs) Also, we should maybe not come back here for coffee. And conversely, actually, almost almost the opposite of what you're saying is uh, I've played this game so long that I come up with a lot of good ideas and not not to brag. Uh, (laughs) And when Jordan was running Serpent Skull, I tended to be the, hey guys, I've got a plan. Like, I've got this crazy idea that we want to, but it would never make sense for my character to say it. So I kept passing notes to Rachel because like (laughs) Rachel was playing the rogue in that. And I'm just like, it's like, here's an idea. Why don't we assassinate the leader of one of these groups with weapons that we've stolen from this other group and then make them kill each other? Mm-hmm. My character would never suggest this, but I'm just saying it'd be That's interesting. True. Well, I have the I have that issue. <laughs> I have a handful of society characters, uh, but specifically like in Starfinder society, for some reason, I have a handful of characters that have no charisma and no ranks in, in diplomacy, but I'm always the face. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I always play weirdos in Starfinder Society might be the reason. And so I'll do all the talking and then it's time to make the check and I'm like, ah, crap. Yeah, I'm not good at this. Jessica's other problem is is uh, she's much better at riddles than she thinks she is and then lets everyone convince her that she's no, got no, the no. wrong answer. Uh, uh, no, don't you dare put that on let's us. Not, yeah, I was going to say, let me own Jordan. that for you. Okay, I'll let Jordan own that. I was being vague. Jess listens to me way more than she should and we have record proof of that in multiple well, I'm adventures better. at I'm, this point. I'm learning to ignore my husband. And Heather's her own worst enemy. I'm not good at riddles, but I got this one right. That's true. That's just when a confidence issue. Or I get them catastrophically wrong. It's one or the other. <laughs> well, that's why we play in a one in a group together. We don't have to solve them by ourselves, yeah. unless you're Rachel and it's a logic puzzle. Yeah, but, and that that is something also like to to think about is you know just because one player may not be good at puzzles, riddles, role play, or anything doesn't mean that you can't as a group come up with a with a really cool idea that that character would have. Yes, and let them have that moment of being like, "This is my idea," even though technically from a metagame perspective 
the player didn't necessarily come up with it, but it's, it's the hive mind. That we can't all like, have 25 intelligences or whatever, like our characters do. Yeah, I yeah. wish. I thought you were referencing me. <laughs> wow. Wow. That yeah, just you need big. a bite of humble pie, man. Mm, delicious. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was funny that uh, Jess mentioned uh, Starfinder because I was thinking um, after we recorded uh, the episode with all of the deception checks and everything of a of a thing in one of Jess's Starfinder games that she ran for me and Jordan and a few <laughs> other people of uh, we I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say which adventure path because I don't want to spoil it. 18 but one rounds of, the, of combat. Yeah, one of the adventure paths, you have to get into a prison. And we decided to try to infiltrate. Um, none of our characters were good at it. We were all lousy at deception. We were all lousy at, I think like a couple of us had okay disguises, um, yeah. disguise skills, mm -hmm. but like, you know, lying and diplomacy and all that stuff. We were like, no, I think our best social skill was somebody had a really high intimidate, which only gets you so far. Uh, <laughs> Turns out and, these guards don't wear armor sized for Vesk. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, we, we basically sort of stumbled through and got really lucky for a little bit. But yeah, it turned into combat really quickly. And sure, like we did everything we could to give ourselves an edge. You know, it's like, well, we're all in disguise. We're, you know, like using holograms and we've got like these programs going on and these spells and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't overcome the fact that you're just crap at lying. Well, like, at the back, just... on the back side, like behind the GM screen of that game, I gave like in my head, I lowered mm. the DC of some of that well, because yeah. the role play was so good. But yeah, it was. It but was again, just not, it, at yeah. the end of the day, we were just crap at lying, and you know, it's like we were going to roll bad eventually. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. So Sometimes sides. it does just get into playing the characters and just going, you know. Like I, I as a player may be very good at coming up with lies and complex plans, but my character is not. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think I can't remember who exactly expressed the idea of it, but I do think that allowing other players to also provide input mm. as much as that may have also gotten Lucia into trouble with like, okay, well, don't go back to my house, <laughs> Lucia. I didn't uh, want them though. to come to my house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was funny because Rick and I we talked about it afterwards and I was like what would happen if I had just gone into her, you know in, into Adria's house and he's like I, I had a plan where it wouldn't have been that bad and I was like oh nuts well <laughs> I mean what would have happened is that Jessica would have gotten to come up with a more clever lie when the cops showed up <laughs> I would have been able to do it I was, I was gonna say but she's got the wisdom to be a little bit better of a liar in the moment yes. mm. don't listen to your husband. If you've learned nothing else from this room. <laughs> I've also learned that he doesn't get to be the liar anymore. I should have gone and been the liar in that case, but it's fine. To be, to be fair, I, I generally try not to play the face just because, like, like <laughs> I am not a high charisma person, and playing high charisma is difficult. <laughs> but but you do it a lot. Like, I still remember That's, back in the Legacy problem. of Fire days that I made my character to be the face, and you would always step up, and I finally had to be like, no. That was Stop. like a running gag. We would just be like, shut up, sorcerer. Like, <laughs> why are we letting him talk? It's the problem of being like one of those type A personalities, but like not being the type A, like super charismatic version. <laughs> I will counter that with with this, Jordan. You are a paid voice acting talent. So uh, charisma's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah. You got to shake it's you a little bit. It's all fake and lies, y'all. I'm just really good at deception. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. <laughs> On that obviously very true, um, so true uh, statement. We'll let the fans decide, yes. I think. 
It's all the magic of editing. There's just nothing I could do with that one episode. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Either this is going to be like, okay, this is really confusing, and I don't know why Lucia's in jail anymore, or I got to let it run. <laughs> Little do you know, I've, I've been doing hijinks this entire time. It just never makes it past, you know, the oh, editing Lord. stage. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I guess on that note, they say thank for, thanks for all the amazing work. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. And, awesome. Uh, thank you, Doombeard. That's mm-hmm. it. Doombeard out there. Doombearding. All right. Enjoy, uh, enjoy yep. your travel out there. We aren't doing any cast things or anything, because that's not really sure. a thing that we do on this yet. Yet. I suppose uh, since we're not doing that, how about we all just throw out a quick idea? Doombeard ship name. Oh. Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The Doomscape. That's nice. That's nice. I'm going to say Flagon of Fire mm. with mm. matching cells. Nice. I want to make a barber joke, but I just can't make it happen. (laughs) The close shave? Ooh, the close shave! Yes! I like it, yeah. I'm going to go with Torag's Anvil. Torag's Anvil. Yeah. Hmm. It's just Doom with a bunch of, like, O's, and it has several <laughs> of the... <laughs> what, what is it? The figurehead in the front is just a Dire Corby? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> it's Doom with six O's. It makes it extra evil. Oh. <laughs> All right, Rachel. I'm not good at ship names. One of them is just Doom with a lot of O's. <laughs> well, I was thinking Doombeard sounds like a really cool ship name, but... But no, that's the captain. Um, I'm Captain Doombeard. Of the Doombeard. <laughs> no, I can't do Doombeard twice. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like the flagged one. You're gonna steal Jordan's? There? No, that oh, was Rick's. Oh, Rick's flagging a fire. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Rick because I can't think fire. of a better one. I was thinking something fire related, so that kind of mm. works. I do like the idea yeah. of the the sails being like two crossed mugs with flames coming out of the top mm. of them. Yep. Yeah, cool shave cool. can be like your your straight razor, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, like a war thing that puts thing. the shaving cream on. Yeah. All right. There's that's where we are. Hopefully, Doombeard enjoys his ships. He can tell us which one is his ship name. Um, <laughs> Tune in for and the next rumor mill where we're gonna have a, a little surprise at the end of it. Too. Yeah, surprises. Oh. Surprises. Like Until then, good luck, and hopefully, you don't have to go to the shackles and face Doombeard. Yeah. <laughs> Doom. Yeah. Doom. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for yep. listening. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you all for writing in. There, Thank you all. Folk. Yeah, thank you to all of our uh, all the people that wrote in this time that are Patreon supporters now yeah. too. So yeah. Wow, y'all are awesome. You thank keep you. us all afloat. Afloat. Nice. Bye, Bye. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath.